good to be in the house of the Lord. And you take me at my word. If I be a servant of the Lord, it's going to be all right. God's preparing you to bring you forth in a word and an anointing that has talked to you all your life. And it's now God's time to bring you forth. And whatever God's will is, you mark my word, He's going to work it. But it's going to be all right. I know you're in the fire. I know you're weary in body. I know you're worn in spirit. But you hold on. You hear me? You hold on to that word because that word ain't failed you. The Spirit of God ain't never failed you, and it ain't going to fail you now. It's going to bring you forward. I ain't saying you ain't going to have to go through some heartache and some grief and some hard times, but you hold on to Jesus. You hear me? He's going to walk you through this storm. He's going to walk you through it. He's right there with you. You look around, you may not feel him, you may not hear him, you may not can find him, but he's right there. And the very minute you start sinking, if you feel like you're sinking, you just reach that hand up and he's going to pull you up out of that water like he did Peter. You hold on. It's going to be okay. Let's go to prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, let it be that your name be honored and magnified today. Lord, if you've ever given us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand what the Spirit is speaking, we ask you to do it now, Lord. Give us of your wisdom, your knowledge, your mercy, your grace, your understanding, and order our steps in your word. We ask it to be so in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all can go ahead and be seated. See if you can give me some trouble, son. I appreciate the Lord today, and I got a lot in my spirit today. I'm going to tell you, God's been talking to me, and I appreciate it when the Lord talks to me. But I hope y'all get to listen to the radio broadcast today, because I, I feel like it was a, well, I know God spoke to me about it, and I ministered what God told me. And that's just, that's just the way I am. When God speaks to me, it goes out. It doesn't matter how people receive it or what kind of kickback I get. I just am what I am. It's what Paul said. He said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And whatever God puts in me, that's what comes out. But you can ask my wife. We've been together 36 years. I've been ministering, serving God 46. And she'll tell you, if God speaks to me and I tell you something, I tell you God spoke to me, you can take it to the bank. It's going to happen. That right, Sister Deborah? It's going to happen. Brother Justin's seen it. Sister Candy's seen it. My wife's seen it. But it's because I stay in that relationship with him. I know his voice. I know his voice. Now, I might come to you, Brother Donald. I might tell you, this is what I feel. And it may not happen. But if I ever tell you the word of the Lord come to me and this is what's fixing to happen, you write it down, it's going to happen. Because there's a difference between what I feel and what I think and what God. You know, everybody thinks they're on a, a wavelength with God that they understand what God's doing, what God's saying. God said in His word, He said, your thoughts ain't my thoughts. He said, your ways ain't my ways. That's the reason there are times I can feel something. 
But I won't never tell you. God spoke to me when it's just what I feel. But if God speaks to me, it's going to happen. It's going to happen just like He said it would. Says, Candy, come here. Go ahead and lift your hands up to the Lord. I want to pray for you. The Lord spoke to me this week, and I've been praying for you. But the Lord told me it's like something right here is blocking your mind, and you can't break through to what you need to break through to. And there's a lot of pressure on in the natural. There's a lot of things warning your spirit. But I'm only hands on your spirit. God's going to break it off. It's going to be like there's a big stuffiness right in here, and there's all of a sudden the spirit... God, this fog, this confusion, this that you can't break through to, I command it to leave right now in Jesus' name. It's nothing but a force trying to hinder where you've put her. And I believe you've put her right where you want her to be a light. And I command the light of the gospel of the glorious resurrected Christ to stand up in you and I'll lose this force off your mind and I command it to leave you now in Jesus' name. It happens right there. You're going to think different. You're going to feel different. You're going to look different. You're going to see things out of different eyes. You're going to hear with different ears. You know, it's the enemy's desire right now to separate everybody from the faith. Because he knows there's an act of God. The devil may not know what God's going to do, but he knows there's an act of God. And he can't stop the move of God. He can't stop it. But he can sure throw a big old stumbling block in front of you and me. If we don't get down to bed, if we don't keep ourselves in that relationship with God, he can hinder us. He can definitely hinder us. You know, they've got all these quotes out now, and, and people say, well, if God brought you to it, He'll bring you through it. And Satan can't hinder what God wants to work in your life. No, but you can. Satan can't hinder what God wants to do in your life, but you can. You can, you can put a stop to it. You can throw it off track. You know, it's like I was preaching years ago in our church in Fort Payne, Alabama, and the Lord spoke to me. And I took my feet and I placed them just like this, because we got two double doors in front of the church in Fort Payne. And I was standing up the pulpit. I said, now, if I start walking, and I said, I aim them feet just like that, and I take my steps and I stay on track. I said, I'll walk right out them doors. I said, but, I can turn them this much. It's like that. And the further I go, the more off track I get. I ain't going out them doors. Just takes a little bit. Just takes a little bit of error. The devil ain't all lies and error. He's a lot of truth. He's a lot of truth. But somewhere in that truth, he's going to throw in just enough error to get you off track. And that scripture the Lord spoke to you, Return or repent and return from whence thou art fallen. That word fallen, you search it out in the original Greek, means off course. God said, get back on course. Get back on course. Amen? It's time to get back on course, children. It is time 
to get back on course. Because people have gotten off course. And I'm ready to see God move and bring deliverance to this generation. People got to have deliverance. Their lives are messed up. Their thinking's messed up. Religion's messed up. There's few people declaring a pure gospel of Jesus Christ. They got everything else mixed in with it. Well, as far as I know, I'm preaching a pure gospel. I said I'm preaching a pure gospel. And I don't know how far the Lord's going to lead me in to what I'm going to talk about today. At least if you give out the notes, we'll get the get the notes out. Because, like I said, I may not stick to these notes, but if you go back and read them, I'm gonna cover. I may start on page six and wind up ending on page one, but I'm gonna cover everything in them notes. And what I don't cover, you can take them home, and I guarantee you got enough word to study. Keep you busy for three or four weeks. If you really get in studying. And the Lord gives me some good messages to preach. But when the Word of the Lord comes to me, it's different than just getting a good message. It's God speaking and it's God's mind for His people at this time. And Wednesday, there was a burden set out on me. And it stayed on me all that day into that night. All day Thursday into Thursday night. But somewhere early in the morning, Friday morning, after me wrestling that burden, I knew God was working something. My wife, Brother Justin, had come down to help me do some things. I kept telling him, I said, Spirit of God's moving. Something on the move. Something big. Coming down the pike, I said, something, something fixing to happen. And early Friday morning, probably about 4.30, Sister Pat, I heard this voice speak right in here. He said, this gospel of the kingdom must be preached into all the world for a witness to all nations. And then shall the end come. It ain't coming to this gospel of the kingdom. He didn't say a gospel of salvation. He didn't say a gospel of repentance. He said this gospel of the kingdom is going to bear witness throughout the whole earth to all nations. He said, then shall the end come. I've been in Central America. I've been in South America. I've been in Canada. I've been in India. I've been in the Philippines. I've been all across the United States. And everywhere you go, I mean, you go into the far reaches of India. And there are organized churches over there out of denominations in America. They have taken the name of Jesus and they preach salvation. But the gospel of the kingdom is different than just preaching salvation. And I'm going to explain the difference to you. Y'all can just write this down as Kingdom 101. Because <laughs> this is basic wisdom and understanding. And I, you know, I, I've told y'all, and I started, and I, the Lord started on it last week. 
And until the Lord started revealing this to me, my wife and people I've been around for years, because I've never made the difference, but there's a difference between heaven and that place called heaven than the kingdom of heaven. I believe your mama's in heaven. And I know you know she is by the way she walked with God. I believe my daddy's in a place called heaven. Because there is a place called heaven. But the kingdom of heaven is not that place up there. It is the dominion and authority and power of the resurrected Christ living right here. That gives you power over demons, sickness, and disease. And over every force of nature, over everything God created. Where did God create man? Genesis, first chapter, 26 verse. He said, let us make man how? In our image. And in our likeness. Y'all think God's got a body, two arms, two legs, and a head? God's spirit. He don't have a body. All right, brother, better than what's the image of God? Total power, authority, dominion, and omnipotence. Over his whole creation. That's the image of God. You ever heard anybody talk about somebody's image? Well, this is what this is talking about. God's image is total dominion and authority and power. He said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness and let us give him what? Dominion. Over what? The fish of the sea. Any of y'all got dominion over the fish of the sea? You got any dominion over the fowl of the air? You got any dominion over everything that creeps on the face of the earth? Well, Adam did. Adam named every creature. Adam named every bird. Adam named everything out there. He called it to him. He had dominion over it. He had control over it. And he named it. And whatever Adam named it, that's what it's still called today. And he said, God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he them. Him, male and female created he them. God created him and gave him authority and dominion over everything on the earth. That was the kingdom of God. That's what God set man in in the beginning. And because of man's disobedience, God took it away from him. God took it away from him. When the voice of the Lord spoke and said, Adam, Adam, wherefore art thou, Adam? God wasn't asking him where he was physically. He said, man, where are you at? Where are you at spiritually? There's been a separation. What did Adam tell him? He said, I heard your voice, and I was afraid because I was naked. God said, Adam, who told you that I was naked? Because, see, they didn't even know. There was no evil. There was no, they didn't know. But when God said, where are you? God knew where he was. He wasn't worried about where he was physically. There had been a separation. When Adam done what he done and obeyed the voice of his wife, he died spiritually. 
and physical death set in on him. When God created man, man wasn't created to die. He was created immortal, eternal. Y'all hear me? But when that soul dies, the physical body starts to die. We ever reach this place in God where I know God's taking us to? You're going to see man start to live. Am I making sense to anybody today? Sin's what kills man. Because you go back in the beginning and look how many years Adam lived and then for a long time afterward man lived hundreds and hundreds and, and, and its days just began to be shortened gradually. Just gradually till it got down to where the life expectancy of man's only like 70 years according to what David said. But that ain't the way it started out. It started out, man, living six, seven, eight, nine hundred years, I believe. Methuselah was the longest living man. He lived 969 years. I don't know if I'm going to live that long or not. It's hard enough to pray through over things just living 70 or 80 years. Have a lot of praying to do, you live. But I heard that word of the Lord speak to me. And he said, this gospel of the kingdom must now be preached with power and demonstration. That scripture, Matthew twenty four fourteen. Look what it says. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness... Unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Somebody tell me what's the witness of the gospel. What's the witness? What kind of witness is God going to bear that the truth is being preached? Miracles, deliverance, signs, wonders. Does it not say in Mark 16... That after the Lord spoke to him and ascended, they went everywhere preaching the word. And he confirmed the word with what? Signs following. With signs following. Is that what the word says? Does the word not say in Hebrews, the second chapter and the fourth verse, God also bearing them witness with signs and wonders and diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to His own will. So when they preached the kingdom, He done miracles to confirm it. I preached the kingdom of God when I didn't know what the kingdom was. And I preached that Jesus came to heal the whole man, soul, mind, and body, and bring man to the place the Christ could live in here. Do you believe you're the temple of the Holy Ghost? Any of y'all believe that? Do you believe the Word says you are the temple of God? You are the temple of the Holy Ghost? Then if the Holy Ghost, is, if this is His house, and He's living in here, and you're letting Him rule and reign, then there's nothing to stop. The holiness, the righteousness, the love, the compassion, the tenderness, the mercy, the forgiveness. And there's nothing to stop the miracles and deliverance. Because Christ has taken his abode in here. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of the Christ. It's the spirit of the resurrected Christ. 
Y'all in agreement with me so far? Now you can read throughout the Old Testament how the Holy Ghost moved on different people. You can read in the Gospel of Luke, first chapter, how that the Holy Ghost fell on Zechariah after John was born, and he was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied what John was going to do. You can read how that when Mary walked into Elizabeth's house after she had conceived and was had John the Baptist, and Jesus had been formed in Mary's womb. And when Mary walked in and spoke to Elizabeth, the Bible said Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak. You can also read where I believe it was Zechariah. Elizabeth might have said, I can't remember which one prophesied, but said that John the Baptist would be filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. But all those manifestations of the Holy Ghost is not the Holy Ghost that been sent back to us. Go with me to John the seventh chapter. I'm going to dismantle the devil's playhouse one stick at a time today. And when I get the last stick down, I think I'm going to beat him over the head with it. Did I tell you all to go to John the 7th chapter? Alright, I'm going to show you what the manifestation of the Holy Ghost that's been given to us. And we've got just a little bit of it. We're fixing to get a whole lot more of it. Because I'm going to tell you some of this stuff that people got they call the Holy Ghost. I don't want it. Did I get an amen on that? I don't want it. I don't want somebody telling me they got the Holy Ghost just because they can talk in a few tongues and next thing you know they're cussing you out. I don't want that kind of spirit. And there's people that's got it. When I first started our church in Alabama, a woman come to me. she come about three or four weeks and she... Come to me after service one night. She said, Brother Metter, you going to preach holiness? I said, I am preaching holiness. She said, no, I'm talking about the dress. I said, you talking about this outward dress? She said, yeah. I said, no, ma'am. She said, you're not going to preach that? I said, no, ma'am. I said, I'm going to preach people clean their spirits. I said, I'm not preaching on outward dress for people to dress what people call holiness and have their spirits filthy. I said, it ain't happening under my preaching. I said, you get the spirit of the resurrected Christ in you and it starts bringing righteousness and holiness to bear in your life and you start bearing the fruit of the Spirit. And I said, there's something God wants to clean up in your life. I said, He'll convict you. Lord told me in 1984 when I was having tent revivals, somebody walk in, wasn't dressed like I thought they ought to be. And buddy, I'd eat them up, Sister Pat, because that's the way I was raised. And finally, if I preached hard enough, they'd get up and leave. And I thought I'd really done something. I'd throw my chest out and strut around like a banny rooster, says Candy. Yeah, run that and off. 
Lord spoke to me one night and said, yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. He said, you're running off, more folks, you're getting saved. He said, shut your mouth. He said, preach Christ. He said, preach me crucified, get them saved, get them sick in my spirit. He said, when I put my spirit in you, did I clean your life up? I said, yes, sir. He said, did I put convictions in you? Yes, sir. He said, did I teach you how to live holy and clean and upright? I said, yes, sir. He said, then you get them saved, you get them sick in me. He said, you preach my name, you preach my stripes, you preach my blood. He said, if you get them speaking my spirit, he said, if there's anything needs to be cleaned up in their life, I'll do the clean. He said, you catch them. And he said, you let me clean them. I changed the way I was preaching. I didn't know no better. hadn't been taught no better. The Spirit of God started teaching me. Because I'm not going to preach for somebody to put on an outward dress. And have a filthy spirit. Have a filthy mind. Have ungodliness in their lives. I'm not going to do it. Because it's wrong. It's wrong. And if I say the word wholeness, first thing comes to people's minds. How folks dress. Well, I'll tell you what y'all do next week. You show up here at the church dressed just as holy as you know how to dress. See if it makes any difference in the way you act. Holiness isn't how you dress. Holiness is the cleanliness and integrity the Spirit of God's put in your heart. Oh, there's some folks that ain't gonna like me today. Do I believe in modesty? Yes, I do. I believe y'all do things in modesty. I believe y'all keep your body covered up. I got parts of my body ain't seen the sun in 46 years. I am what they call lily white. <laughs> my wife tell you we've been married. I have not been out in the sun with my shirt off. I don't do that. I don't do that. I ain't got no allegiance to this sun god. (laughs) And I ain't never been in a tanning bed, and I don't care to go to one. That's your, you you do whatever you feel. If the Lord don't want you going, He can deal with you. You ain't going to hear me preach against Him. I'm not preaching on this outward stuff. But I will preach against sin and I will preach against bitterness and anger and strife and division and jealousy. I will preach against what gets in your heart and your spirit that will defile you. Because that is what's going to cut you off from God. The Lord told me one time, the root of bitterness. Y'all ever heard the Bible talk about the root of bitterness? The Lord said, what causes the root of bitterness, he said, is unforgiveness. He said, when people won't forgive one another, he said, and get in you as a root of bitterness. And he said, it'll leak people up like a cancer. And if you don't forgive one another, Jesus said, our Heavenly Father 
will not forgive you for your if you can't forgive one another for what they've done to you if you can't forgive people how they've wronged you and how they've sinned against you and how they've transgressed and what they've said about you Jesus won't forgive you he said my father was just in them he ain't gonna forgive you you gotta forgive one another and if he hanging on that cross after everything that was done to him can look up and say father forgive them for they know not what they do then you've got to learn to forgive. If Stephen, being stoned to death, can say, Father, lay not this sin to their charge, then you've got to learn to forgive. God's fixing to visit your daughter. That's the saith the Spirit of the Lord. God's fixing to visit her. He's going to work a work in her life. God's fixing to answer that prayer you've been praying for a long, long time now. God's fixing to visit your daughter. Let me tell you something. I got a good friend that I work in the ministry with. He married a woman from Kazakhstan. She was a Muslim. And I think she was what, riding on a bus or something? She was riding on a bus going to work. Very educated woman in her country. She's a what, a child pediatrician or pediatric urologist in her country. And she come over here and married this brother that I work in the ministry with, very smart, highly educated woman, said she was riding a bus to work one day and said the, the Lord appeared to her and spoke to her about His blood, His stripes, His name, and she got saved. She got saved and turned her life and her heart over to the Lord. And when you're a Muslim and you give your heart to the Lord, they'll put a price on your head. They will do their best to kill you. And she turned her heart to Jesus because the Lord visited her. She didn't know nothing about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Lord visited her. And you tell me the Lord can't visit people in this country? God gets ready for you. He'll visit you. Lord fixing to visit her. Lord fixing to visit her. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Hallelujah. And I want you to take this and give it to her. Because Lord's fixing to give her peace. She lives in upsetness. She lives in vexation. She lives in just turmoil. Lord's fixing to put peace. Oh, hallelujah. Lord's fixing to put peace in her spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Sister Candy, how many doors you got on your house? Two? Front door, back door? Go home and open them. Run the devil out. And take your thumbtack and tie them and put them above each door. Hallelujah. Peace is coming to you. Peace is coming to your house. Man, I feel the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. I love it and God moves like this. I said I love it and God moves like this. But I want to show y'all that Jesus only preached one gospel. The apostles only preached one gospel. Y'all hearing me? Wasn't the gospel of repentance. That's what John come preaching. And I've heard all these people and I... I come in under it. I come in under the preaching in the 70s of Behold the Lamb of God. I come in under it. Heard it. Knew it was God. Knew it was right. And the other evening I was meditating on it. And the Lord said, Behold the Lamb was the preaching of John the Baptist to prepare the way for the kingdom of God.
people that hadn't moved past, behold the Lamb, and moved into the teaching and preaching of the kingdom, said they're stuck in religion. Did I actually say that? God doesn't stay the same. He evolves. When the Lord brought the children out under Moses, they stayed under Moses 40 years. But then when God moved Moses out of the way, He brought Joshua in because the Lord told me, He said, what was in Moses was not enough to take my people into the fulfilling of the promise and possess the promised land. When the Lord visited me back in 98 and showed me the life of Moses and how that He moved Moses out of the way and brought Joshua in, the Lord said the Spirit and the wisdom and the Word that was in Moses, He said the Word that has been in my ministers to bring you to the knowledge of the kingdom is not enough to take you into the possession of the kingdom. He said it's just like when I moved Moses and brought in Joshua. He said there's got to be an act of God. He said because what has brought you to the knowledge of the kingdom is not enough to take you into the kingdom. We fix and go in this kingdom. We fix and go in this kingdom. Because this kingdom will now be preached and God will bear witness of it with signs and more. I'm talking, I ain't talking about headaches. I ain't talking about toe aches. I ain't talking about back aches. I'm talking about creative notable miracles are now going to happen. They're now going to happen. Has anybody ever asked the Lord here lately, Lord, why ain't you doing miracles like you used to? You ever asked God that? Anybody ever ask God, God, why ain't you moving like you used to? Why ain't you doing the things you used to do? If you know how many people has come to me and asked me, said, we don't understand why God ain't moving like he used to move, why God ain't doing miracles like he used to do. The Lord told me, he said, I give them a season of grace. He said, to prepare them to come into my kingdom, he said, I spoke to you and told you the dispensation was changing and that I was no longer going to move and work miracles under this old order and under this old gospel. He said, the very reason, he said, miracles ain't been happening like they did back in the 50s and 60s. He said, when I gave that spirit of grace, he said, the gospel of the kingdom has not been preached. There is only one gospel that the Lord has ever confirmed with miracles and signs and wonders, and that's the gospel of the kingdom. You may have had a healing or two, and you may have had some folks heal, but when it comes to notable creative miracles, you ain't had them. Like Jesus did, we ain't had them. We ain't had blind eyes, deaf ears, dumb tongues. We ain't had maiden limbs. We ain't had people bound with lunatic spirits. We ain't had ministers that could cast out spirits with the Word of God that lived in them. We ain't had it. You know why? The kingdom's not been preached. But now the kingdom uh, of God shall be preached uh, in authority and in power. uh, And God will confirm uh, His word with signs following. If we'll preach the kingdom. And live like God's taught us to live. One thing about it. You stand before the Lord after sitting under my word. And the teaching, and teaching you to pray, and teaching you to seek the face of God, and teaching you to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord, and you stand before the Lord, you ain't going to say, Lord, I didn't know. 
You ain't going to tell the Lord. He ain't going to say, no. He said, let's look back over here in this book. Let's go back over to June 10th, 2018. He said, you sat in the service under my servant, Brother John Metter, and said he just nailed it down and laid it down and laid the foundation of the kingdom and showed you what you had to do. And let's go back over here six months ago and a year ago. And let's go back five years. Let's go back ten years. Lord's got a record of every word you've ever heard, every service you've ever set in, how you've been taught, how you've been admonished, how you've been edified. And it ain't up to me for you to apply the word to your life. It's up to you. It's up to you. I'm not going to sneak around, see if you're living right. I don't have to sneak around, see if you're living right. Lord knows whether you're living right or not. Lord knows whether you're living right or not. Don't try to hide it from me. Because you can't hide it from Him. I know people try to hide stuff from their preachers. What are you worried about hiding stuff from me for? God knows. God knows what you're doing. He's the judge. I might get upset at you. But he's the one going to dust your britches. But see, the thing is, a lot of people know better than what they're doing. They know better than how they're living. Amen. They know better. They know better. And the Bible says, He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, him it sin. And he said to him, Much is given, much is required. So if you've been taught the Word and you know the Word's right, and you ain't living by it, and you ain't applying it to your life, the Lord said, there's going to come a day, I'm going to beat you with many stripes. Is that what the Word says? He said, much is given, much is required. And he said, to him that knoweth much, did he say he's going to beat you with many stripes? Did he say, him knoweth little, I'll beat him with a few stripes. Him knoweth much, I'm going to beat him with many stripes. Is that what the Word says? But I want you to go, oh, let me, let me finish off what I said about the Holy Ghost. Because some of y'all going to say, Brother Mitter never did tell us. Yeah, I'm going to tell you right here. This is John 7 and verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers. He didn't say river. He said reverse. That's just like a Mississippi ain't a river, it's reverse. Shall flow rivers of, of living water. But this he spake, or this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive for the Holy Ghost, was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Now why did it say that? Well, Brother Metter, I just read over in Luke, the first chapter, that Zechariah was filled with the Holy Ghost. That says the Holy Ghost was not yet given. Well, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. But Jesus said the Holy Ghost not yet given.
You know what I'm talking about, Sister Deborah? You don't know what I'm talking about? The reason he said that, and because he was not yet glorified, he was not yet risen from the dead, because the spirit that was coming back on the day of Pentecost was the spirit of the resurrected Christ. That's why he said it's not yet given, because I'm not yet been glorified. Till I'm glorified, I can't send my spirit to you. What did he tell them in, in John, the 14th, 15th, 16th chapter? He said, it is expedient, it is necessary that I go away. For if I go not away... What did he say? The comforter can't come. Why? The comforter is, is going to be my spirit. It's going to be the spirit of the resurrected Christ. It's going to be the spirit of truth. It ain't going to be what they've had. It's going to be me. When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he shall testify of me. The Holy Ghost ain't got a personality of his own. You said he's going to testify of me. He's going to take up things of mine. He's going to reveal it unto you. Is that what the word says? Now y'all doing me like them people in India do me now, y'all. Quit doing that. I'm giving you the straight, pure, unadulterated word of God. He said, if I go not away, the comforter can't come. Why couldn't the Comforter come? Because the Comforter is going to be the ghost of the Christ. It's going to be the ghost of Jesus. It's going to be the Spirit of the Christ. And He's going to haunt your house. But He said, if I go not away, He can't come. Why? I'll still be alive and He'll still be locked up in here. But once I'm dead, buried, resurrected and glorified, He said, I'll send Him back. See, a man can't live in a man, but a spirit can live in a man. The spirit of the resurrected Christ can live in us. And that's how the Christ is going to take his abode in us. But Jesus had to die for it to happen. He had to die and he had to be resurrected for this to happen. That's why it said the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. See, y'all can learn something. Y'all learn something today. Amen. And I want you to learn. But I want you to go back with me to the Gospel of Mark. Like I said, I may not cover all this in order, but I'll get to all of it or most of it. And you can go home and study the rest. Because I guarantee you start studying, you really hug learn to study. You spend several hours in this Word. The Gospel of Mark, the first chapter. And the 14th verse. Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are the same thing. There's no difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. What was the Lord speaking to us this morning when the Spirit of the Lord's on Brother Justin? The kingdom of heaven's at hand. The kingdom of heaven's at hand. Once again, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I told y'all a few months back, the Lord spoke to me and told me we had come to the end of a dispensation, and we were fixing to enter into a new dispensation. We are moving into the dispensation of the kingdom of heaven. We're moving into it, and it's now going to be revealed like it was in, the, in, in Jesus' day, like it was in the book of Acts, and then we're going beyond that. 
We're going beyond the book of Acts move of God. We'll see it. We'll see the days of the Son of Man when Jesus walked this earth. But then we're going beyond it. We're going beyond it because that was the former reign. That was the beginning. Are y'all with me? Man, y'all looking at me. Brother Matter, are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? God, I hope so. I've been trying for 46 years to get rid of it. I don't want this carnal mind no more. The Lord's trying to take us somewhere if we'll go. But you got a hunger. you got to want to go. you got to go beyond what religion is telling you. Because religion's got people bound. They're just going to go to church, shout, feel good, sing a few songs, hear a good message, and go home and drop back in the mundane of life and serve the carnal mind and the carnal man all week. Never pick up their Bible, never pray, never study till they go back to church Wednesday night or next Sunday. It's wrong. It's wrong. Somebody was giving a testimony the other day how they went to a restaurant after church and they started witnessing to the cashier and the young man accepted Christ and they prayed for him right there and God touched his life right there and everybody was all excited about it. I said, that ought to be the norm. That ought to be what happens every day. That ought to be what happens in a believer's life every day. It ought to happen two or three times a day. But the reason it doesn't is the gospel and the power of the kingdom is not being declared. And the Christ is not being made manifest because every time something comes our way, let me tell you something, buddy, I'll take my religion off and I mean, you'll go out behind the barn. No. That ain't the spirit of the resurrected Christ. That's the spirit of the flesh. That's the carnal mind. And people, uh, they'll talk about how mad they got and how upset they got and just glorify it. If I hadn't had God in my life, I'd have whooped the daylights out of them. Well, evidently, you'd need to do some more praying. Because if you had the Spirit of the resurrected Christ in your life, that thought wouldn't have crossed your mind. Them words wouldn't have come out of your mouth. Will I fly away, O glory? You got spirits like that, you ain't going to get off the ground. You don't get some Christ in you down here, you ain't going up there. But see, I'm not... About everybody talks about going to heaven. I ain't trying to get people to heaven, Sister Candy. I'm trying to get the kingdom of heaven in them. I'm trying to get the resurrected Christ living in them. I'm trying to get the nature, the mind, the working of the spirit of the resurrected Christ living in them that they can do something on this earth to deliver people from the bondage of Satan. I'm not worried about Satan. With what lives in me, Satan's defeated. The Bible says in First John 3, and I believe it's verse 8, said... He that sinneth is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose was the uh, the Son of Man made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. The works of the devil to a believer are destroyed, Sister Candy. Satan has no power over you. If you walk with Christ, walk in relationship with him, serve him, live by that word, Satan has no power over you. The works of the devil have been destroyed. Jesus came and destroyed them. Jesus came and took victory over them. The Bible says in Colossians uh, that he triumphed over him openly, took away his power. Uh, he defanged the devil. He took 
him. He took them teeth out of the devil's mouth. He said, your enemy, your adversaries is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But you got authority. you got dominion. you got power. You're going to go through the same troubles and trials your brethren out here in the world go through. But they do not have to affect you if you walk with God in the power of the Holy Ghost. Because the resurrected Christ that has defeated all things, he's living right here. If he's living right here and he's already defeated the devil, then why are you fighting the devil? Yeah, I said it. The resurrected Christ, if you're the temple of the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost is the resurrected Christ, the spirit of him, and he's already conquered the devil. He already holds the keys of death and hell. He's already triumphed openly over Satan. There was nothing Satan could do to hold him down. Grave couldn't hold him. Hell couldn't hold him. Death couldn't hold him. And he's sitting right in here and he's got the keys of hell and death and he's twirling them around on his finger. And he's sitting right here. He's in you. Then what is it you're afraid of? What is it you're afraid of? We battle the devil when he starts talking to the carnal mind and we open the door to doubt and unbelief and we let him in. Other than that, the devil has no power. He has no power. He's powerless. He's powerless. Two men come across a woman had a pat line. And one knew the lion had been, his teeth had been taken out, and the other one didn't know. He just walked up to him, and he rubbed him all around and petted him, and that lion just laid there, and you know. And he walked away, and the other guy said, how'd you do that? He said, well, he said, I know the person knows him. I knew. Didn't have no teeth, so I wasn't worried about him doing anything. He said, you look at them claws. He said, I didn't think about that. <laughs> so the devil ain't just been defanged. He's been declawed to a believer. Has no power over you. Has no power over you. It's when you let this carnal mind kick in, you start entertaining doubt and unbelief, and you start obtaining, uh, uh, entertaining what people say and what people do, and it finds an inroad in your spirit, and it'll tear your spirit up and cause you to worry and get in doubt, get in unbelief. You stand up. Speak the Word of God to it. Don't worry about it. Jesus, after His resurrection, He said, All power in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. Where does He live? Right here. That means all power in heaven and earth. All power. He didn't say part of it. He said all of it. I prayed for a lady at a meeting one night, and I seen her the next night. I said, God heal you? She said, well, he healed some of it. I said, that, that ain't what the Word says. I said, what do you mean the Lord healed some of your sickness and some of your disease? I said, the Word, the word don't teach no such thing. I said, David said in Psalms 103, the Lord forgiveth all of my iniquities and healeth all of my diseases. I said, don't get part of them healed. Don't get the rest of them healed. I said, God, don't do that. She just stood there and looked at me. 
I said, I'm telling you what the Word of the Lord says. I don't care what your doctrine teaches. I don't care. I've wrestled doctrine for 46 years, and it's exactly what Paul said in, in Ephesians 6 and 12. He said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness, of, or spiritual darkness of this world, and we wrestle spiritual wickedness in high places. There's doctrines been preached and things been taught in the church that strips you of the power of God and makes you think you can't do nothing and you won't have any power till you get up there. That's not what the Word teaches. That's not what the Word teaches. And Jesus said, it's time to repent and believe the gospel of the kingdom. Because when the, when the kingdom's preached, miracles are going to happen. Deliverance is going to happen. It ain't going to happen when you preach repentance. It ain't going to happen when you preach salvation. It ain't going to happen when you just preach a good message. But you preach the kingdom and you declare the authority and dominion of the resurrected Christ living in here. That's what the kingdom is. You start declaring that. You start telling people that the Christ lives in you. You start declaring and tell them it can live in them. You start preaching that. You start preaching that God will heal you, deliver you, set you free, make you whole. God will confirm the word with signs following you go to Matthew, the fourth chapter. Verse 23. Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching. What did he preach? The gospel of the kingdom. And healing. All manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. He done what? He preached the authority and dominion of the Spirit and the Word of God that will live in you. Why did He do it? He came demonstrating what John had preached. John come preaching, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Did he not? Did he not say, make straight his paths? He said, for the kingdom of heaven is at the door. It's at hand. Is that what John preached? And then here come Jesus demonstrating. Putting in action what John had preached. Verse 24. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and then that had palsy, and he healed them. Everything they brought to him, he healed them. Why? He was preaching the authority and dominion of God living in man. And he was demonstrating it. Well, Brother Matter, ain't nothing happening. Ain't nothing being preached. People want to preach in emotion. They want to preach in drama. And then they want God to do miracles. Ain't happening. Emotion is not the Spirit of the Lord. And drama is not the anointing. I have people tell me. I've had relatives tell me. said, boy, you sure do get animated when you preach. Yeah, I do get animated. But that animation is not the anointing. 
And me moving and shouting and running and jumping and hollering and screaming and crying, my emotion is not the Spirit of God. Because I've seen the time I couldn't move. I fell off a roof in 2000. I laid on my bed, hospital bed, my own bedroom for two months. Hurting so bad I couldn't hardly move. People would call. My wife would put them on the phone and I'd counsel with them and speak the word of the Lord to them. God give them divine miracles and set them free. And I'd hurt so bad I couldn't hardly breathe. Because it's not what I feel. It's what's in here. It's what the Christ, it's what that resurrected Christ is placed in here, Sister Candy. I know what it'll do. I know what's in me. And it's come through 46 years of prayer, supplication, fasting, seeking God, study of the Word, and separating myself from the world, trying to live upright and walk upright before God. It's coming through God, putting me through every test that He's decided to put me through, and I stood and come out on the other side by His grace and His mercy. It's not anything you do in yourself. You lean on Him. But if you trust in Him, He's faithful. He'll bring you through. I don't care what you're facing. I don't care what you're facing. Me and my wife's been through financial trials. There's been times we nearly lost everything we had. But we've looked at each other and said, you know what? So we started out with nothing. If we got to do it again, God can bless us again. I started out with nothing. Didn't have nothing. Gave my heart to the Lord in 72. Started preaching in 78. Went and borrowed $500 from the bank to buy an old wore-out gospel tent. And the guy said, you got anything for collateral? I said, what's that? <laughs> he said, something stand good for the money. I said, i got an old 6400 National pickup truck out there. He walked out there and looked at it, come back, looked at me, looked at the truck, looked at me, looked at the truck, looked at me. He says, okay. He said, you want $500 cash? He said, you want me to write you a check? I said, just give me the cash. He said, you want it in 20s or you want it in $100 bills? I said, let me have them five $100 bills. I ain't never seen that much money together in one place. At that time, I hadn't. Five $100 bills. I hadn't seen that much together, Sister Deborah. I mean, it was tough. And I put that tent up in Rome, Georgia, and started 1978 in tent ministry. Stayed there two weeks, slept on the ground. Didn't have a travel trailer. Didn't have air conditioning. Walked them grounds all night long and prayed and fasted and sought the Lord. And God started drawing people in, started delivering them, healing them, setting them free. Been going ever since. Going to a town nobody knows who I am I got the money, I'll put something on radio. If I don't, I'll have some flyers printed up. Walk the streets, put out flyers, let everybody know about the meeting. When I was in that meeting in Rome, get about 6 o'clock at night, there was a service station about a block down the road. I'd run down there and wash in the sink, shave in the sink, put on my suit, come back and get ready to preach. Didn't have no place to take a bath, take a shower. Pray 2.33, 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, lay down on a piece of carpet on the gravel and go to sleep. That's where I started tent ministry. Because I had a burden. Still got a burden. Still going to fight for folks to get saved and delivered. I'm real for God because God's been real to me. Standing on the street corner preaching back 
somewhere around 80, 81, maybe late 70s, don't even remember. And the Lord spoke to me. Now, here I am in blue jeans, ragged ones at that. Shirt wasn't a whole lot better. And I heard the voice of the Almighty God speaking here. He said, I want you to form a corporation called World Revivals. He said, I'm going to send you around the world to preach the gospel. I reached down in my pocket. I don't think I even had 25 or 30 cents. I said, Lord, I said, I ain't got a car. And I think gas was 25 or 30 cents a gallon somewhere in time he spoke to me. And I said, if I had one, I said, I couldn't even put a gallon of gas in it. You're telling me to form a nonprofit corporation that you're going to send me around the world to preach the gospel? I says, okay. So I started checking on it, scraping money together, got it done. And I think it was about a year after me and my wife got married and finally got the tax exemption. And about 10 years, 12 years went by. I was preaching to thousands in India. Now, it wasn't that long. I went down to Honduras right before we got married. Matter of fact, I come back a week before we got married. I flew down to Honduras with another brother going on to be with the Lord now. We preached to 800 and 1,000 in banana groves at night by generators, seeing God work miracles and save souls. Then I went to India. Then I went to Bolivia. I went to Bolivia. We went to Bolivia before, we went to, before I went to India the first time. Me and her flew to Bolivia in 86. Big tent up down there, man. Had a big tent. They called it uh, the Carpeta de Jesus, which means the tent of Jesus. We'd walk every night, out there every night, 25,000 under that tent. No telling how many around it. Preach the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. She was laying hands on blind eyes. She was speaking to people with deaf ears, and God was healing it. You know why? Simple gospel was being preached. Gospel of the kingdom. So don't tell me God won't perform His word. Went from having nothing on a street corner, and as God began to bless and speak to me over twenty plus years, I probably bought over two hundred thousand dollars worth of trucks and trailers and tents. As God spoke to me and told me what to buy and give me the money, I had a man tell me. He said, "He said I'll co-sign with you if you can pay for them." He said, you get your credit built up. I said, okay. He did, and I did, and God started blessing. God started blessing. A man that stood on a street corner and preached, stood in jails and preached. Next thing I know, I was preaching under tents that seat two and three and four and five hundred. Put one in Canada that would seat almost four or five hundred. Because I've got a burden to do something for God. And I've preached the gospel of the kingdom. And God is confirmed with signs and wonders. He's confirmed. And now, I'm going to preach this gospel of the kingdom again. Just like I preached it back in the 70s, 80s, 90s. I'm going to preach it again. Because that's what the Lord told me. He said, it's now time to declare the kingdom. It's time to declare it again because people ain't preaching it no more. They ain't preaching it no more. I'm going to preach it. I'm going to preach it. And I can tell you this. The people that stand with me financially and pray for me and help me, God's going to bless them. Because I'm going to win souls. The Bible said, he that won the souls is wise. Every soul I win, 
every sickness that's healed, every disease, everybody that's set free from drugs. You support this gospel, you pray for me, that soul's going to be added to your account. That soul's going to be added to your account. You walk in heaven one of these days, Sister Pat, maybe 250, 300,000 souls are to meet you, and you're going to say, What? Lord going to say, Because you give. Said this part of your reward. This part, he that won the souls is wise. You can't go win souls. I can. I can go. Because I'm going to tell you, all the Lord's got to speak to me. I'm gone. I walked away from jobs. I walked away from careers. I walked away from insurance. I walked away from everything a good job could provide. Personal, financial, security, insurance, everything to be free where when the Lord spoke to me to go, I could go. I ain't labored for this world. I've labored for the gospel of the kingdom. You hear me? There are a lot of people there that call the gods on their life. And they tell God, well, after I get my retirement, I, I've had them come tell me, Brother Metter, ain't no way I can get out there and preach the gospel like you did. I said, how do you think I've done it? I, we don't know how you done it. I said, I've done it by faith. <laughs> I believe God. Well, we can't do that. I said, that's between you and the Lord. I ain't criticizing you. I ain't condemning you. I just know what I had to do. My kids grew up without insurance. They didn't have medical coverage. We didn't have, me and my wife never had insurance. So now I'm on Medicare. <laughs> no, they didn't get sick. You know why? I preached the kingdom and God kept them. I preached the kingdom and God kept them. Amen. This is a gospel of power and authority and dominion. And it's coming back. You hear me? The kingdom's coming back. People are going to be raised just candy like I was raised. Had a mom and daddy that prayed. They got the measles, mumps, chicken pox, the flu. Mom and daddy prayed. We got healed. We broke a bone. Mom and daddy prayed. We got healed. We got burned. Anything that. They didn't have all these doctors and hospitals and emergency rooms when I grew up. Not like they do now, man. Every time my kid sneezes now, they got him in the emergency room. I see my baby sister. She's, I don't even know how old she is now. She's in her 50s. I seen her dying with double pneumonia. My daddy had rented a big Jewish synagogue up in Youngstown, Ohio, back in 60. So she was a baby then. She hadn't been, she wasn't very old, maybe a year if she was even that old. 60, 61, somewhere in there. She was born in 60, January 60, so I'd tell you how old she is. But she laid there with double pneumonia in the damp basement of a big Jewish synagogue in Youngstown, Ohio, in the middle of the winter. Couldn't breathe, dying with double pneumonia. And the hand of God raised her up. Antibiotics didn't raise her up. I'm not against doctors. God raised her up. That's the kind of miracles I grew up on. That's the kind of miracles you fix to see again. Why? Somebody's going to declare this kingdom. I'm going to declare the kingdom. Jesus preached it. Go ahead and study your notes. Jesus preached it. The apostles preached it. When Philip went to Samaria in the book of Acts, had all them miracles, the Bible said he spoke to them on things pertaining to the kingdom of God. When Paul was under house arrest in Rome, 
People come to him and said, Paul paid his own rent for two years. He's under house arrest, but yet he had his own hired house for two years. They let him live in his own hired house, and he spoke about things pertaining to the kingdom of God for two whole years, and him a prisoner. But yet he done it. He preached the kingdom of God. Nothing else has ever been preached. There's no other gospel that's been preached that's brought results except the kingdom. And Paul said in Galatians, the first chapter, he said, If any man come to you preaching any other gospel than that that I preached, he said, Let it be accursed. There's a lot of stuff being preached, but it ain't helping nobody. It ain't helping nobody. You get behind me in your prayers and your finances, I'm going to help folks. I'm going to help folks. Because I'll tell you what Isaiah said. I said, here am I, send me. I said, Brother Matter, you can't go nowhere. you got to pass this church. You better get yourself grounded. You better get yourself rooted. Because there's a kingdom to be declared. Y'all appreciate the Lord today? Bow your heads and let's go to prayer. Father, I thank you for your goodness, your love, your mercy, your wisdom and understanding. Let this word sink down in their spirit. Let it find good ground. Help them to hide this word in their hearts. That they might not sin against you, Lord. God, help them hide this word that they'll walk up right before you and do what's right in your eyes. That's all I'm trying to do, Father. And that's what I'm trying to teach them. To do that which is good and right in the eyes of the Lord. And let the name of Jesus be lifted up in their Hearts and lives and eyes and ears for your will to be done. We give you honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And I do, I pray this word find good ground. Say, Brother Metter, are you the only one preaching the gospel? No, but I'm preaching the only gospel that can be preached. It's the gospel of the kingdom. Ain't nothing else going to do any good. Y'all tell me. What's happening in churches that most preaching now? Just good emotion, good excitement. Very few folks are getting changed. Very few folks are getting healed and delivered. It's just good church. We don't need good church. We need an act of God. And this kingdom's coming in. The Lord told me. The Lord told me Friday morning, if I know what my name is, and I know the voice of the Lord. He said, it's now time to declare this gospel of the kingdom. He said, if you'll declare it, he said, I'm going to confirm it with signs following. He said, I'm going to do it. That's the word. That's the word. That's the word. I'm going to receive the offering. Now, I want you all to understand something. I believe in tithing. I believe in offerings. I know y'all love me, but do not do something for me personally and say, Lord, I'm doing this with my tithe. That ain't your privilege. The Bible said bring your tithe into the storehouse. If you want to do something for me and my wife because you love us, then you're going to have to do it out of your own pocket. Amen. I'm just clarifying because I don't want you getting in trouble with the Lord. Because ever since I was 15 years old, I've honored God with my tithing. And I'm telling you, we started out with nothing, and God has blessed us. God's been good to us. Me and my wife got married. My father-in-law gave us a car. 
she had a car when she was growing up. I mean, when she was a teenager, she had a car. Lord, uh, My father-in-law gave us that car. And there for a while, I traded that car on them for a truck to, for the ministry that I could do tent revivals. She didn't have no way to go. She didn't even have a car. There were several years, her with kid, she didn't have a car. Lord had to provide. Lord had to provide. And we went from absolutely nothing, from an old beat-up pickup truck to a little old 21-foot travel trailer that was beat up to an old worn-out gospel tent. And we've seen God give us new cars, new trucks, new tents. But was obedient to the voice of the Lord, too. And the Lord said, the willing and the obedient, he said, I withhold no good thing. Say, giving don't just bless you financially. Go back to Malachi, the third chapter, and read what all giving does. God just don't bless you financially when you give. God will bring peace in your home. God will save your seed. Are y'all listening to me? When you do what's good and right in the eyes of the Lord, and you obey His Word, He'll withhold no good thing from you. Are we going through a trial right now? Yes, we are. But we'll come out of it. We'll come out of it. Just like He's brought us out of every one we've ever been in. We'll come out of it. We'll come out of it. I believe God told me to build a big church here in L.A.J. There'll be a day I'll build it. There'll be a day I'll build it. At God's time. God will provide the finances. I didn't got a man said he'd pour the concrete for me and finish it. I didn't got another man said he'd put the windows in it. If God ain't got me somewhere preaching, I know how to do the electrical and the plumbing. We'll get it built. But I've seen a church up here to seat 500 people. You say you believe that? Oh, yeah, I believe it. Because when God starts working miracles, I'm talking about notable miracles, people are going to come like just like they did in the book of Acts. They're going to come because they need help. People need help right now. The majority of the preachers don't feel ain't got nothing to help people. All they're doing is getting them excited and wanting to buy them $54 million jets. The kingdom I preach is not of this world. It's not material gain. It's the resurrected Spirit of Christ living in you. That's the kingdom I preach. If the kingdom you believe in is material gain in this world, you off track. Do I believe God will bless you with things? You better believe I do. But the more material things you get in the natural, the more you tie down and the more you got to do take care of them. Amen. Y'all love the Lord. You love your pastor? <laughs> Don't get upset with me. Because I believe in preaching the truth. And I am what I am by the grace of God. But I'm going to ask you. We need some personal finance. I got I got a car sitting right out there. We brought it new in 2014. I think it's got 103 or 4,000 miles on it. 100,000 of those miles been to preach the gospel. I ain't going to tell you we ain't using it personal every now and then. But 100,000 of those miles put on that car been preached the gospel. It needs a good transmission, service, fluid, filter, and all that. So we need some personal finances. But before you do anything else, you honor God and what He's blessed you with.
You honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruit all your increase. He said, Thy barn shall be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall break out with new wine. Do I believe God's going to move me to our needs? There ain't a doubt in my mind. But he said he'd use men to give to you. Go read your Bible in Luke 6 chapter. He said, Give and it shall be given. Press down, shaking together, running over good measure. He said, Men will give to your bosom. I believe that. I believe that, but I don't serve God for personal gain. I don't serve God for personal gain. Because if I served God for personal gain, I'd preach a whole lot different. <laughs> Amen. I'd preach a whole lot different. I had a preacher come to me one time and said, Brother Matter, if you'd back off just a little bit, change what you're preaching. He said, man, people bless you. I said, if i got to change what I'm preaching, people bless me. I said, I'll wait for God to bless me. Because <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I've got people come to my meetings. Millionaires and multi-millionaires. And I had one preacher tell me I was getting to fly overseas and there was a multi-millionaire over there going to be in my meeting. He said, if you'll, he said, if you'll go to him and minister to him, he said, they don't tell him what he'll give you. I said, what are you talking about? He said, lay hands on him, prophesy the word of the Lord to him. He said, I've done it two or three times. I said, well, you go ahead and keep on doing it. I said, this boy ain't going to do it. This boy ain't going to do it. I said, God tells me to pray for him, I'll pray for him. I said, if he don't, I don't. Because I don't sell the gift of God. I don't sell the gift of God. I had a young man, and he may see this video, but he was in my meetings. He used to come to church some in Alabama. Good spirit, could minister, sing. And he got away from the Lord, got in a big rock band. And he was in that big rock concert down in Alabama called Rock the South or something like that. He was in it every year for several years. And here about a year ago, the Lord started dealing with him. And he was just, he's bombed out of his mind. I don't know if he's drunk or high. I mean, he gave me this testimony himself. And a song started coming to his spirit. You know, and he, he was looking for something to write the song down. And he was looking through some of his stuff or a pad and a pen. And about five of these prayer cloths that I had given him somewhere along the way, he come across them. And I'd anointed them with oil. And he smelled that oil. And he said, and he smelled that oil. Says Patty reached and grabbed hold of him. Said when it did, it knocked him flat out. And said when he come to, said he is stone cold sober. And he turned his life back over to the Lord. Long hair. Let his hair grow. Turned his heart back to God and serving God now. And here a while back he wrote me. Wanted one of these prayer cloths to give to somebody to help them. And he said, preacher, he said, I'll be glad to send you an offering. I wrote him back and I said, son, you won't send me an offering. You send me an offering. I said, but I do not sell the gift of God. I said, I will send you a prayer cloth whether you ever give me a dime. I said, I do not sell the gifts of God. You don't minister to people because they can help you. You minister to people because they need help. And you do not control the gift. You let the gift control you. There's some preacher service you'll go to, they'll use the gift all the time. 
Every service they'll use the gift. Operate the same way every time. No, you're wrong. God don't minister the same way. He don't speak the same way. He don't anoint you the same way every time. That's why I let the gifts use me. That's why I let the gifts use me. I don't try to use the gifts. I don't try to work the Spirit of God. Everybody still love the Lord. Say amen. So Brother Meadow, you stepping on some toes. It's time for some toes to be stepped on. Amen. So, what I'm asking you to do today is do what's good and right in the eyes of the Lord. Do what's good and right in the eyes of the Lord. And thank you for what you've done the other day. God's always going to honor you for that. And that's all I want you to do. Because there's a portion of what God puts in your hand belongs to Him. It ain't yours. Amen? So let's do what's right. Would you stand? If you want to help us over here on this side, we want to help the church over here on that side. I appreciate the Lord today. Hallelujah. Thank you. I'm so glad you got to come.